How is healthcare data changing and what new capabilities is the industry going to gain from these changes? Welcome to episode 41 of the Him Southern California podcast, where we explore emerging trends in healthcare information technology. I'm your host, Paul Butler, and today my guest is Joe Grinstead, Vice President of Technology at Healthcare Triangle. Joe has uh, worked in healthcare IT for over 20 years. He worked his way up through the ranks, starting off as a computer operator at uh, Queen of the Valley Hospital in West Covina, California, and has had an increasing amount of responsibility working with a variety of organizations around the world on the challenges of implementing healthcare IT. So today, as the VP of Technology with Healthcare Triangle, Joe keeps his head in the clouds looking for ways to help organizations leverage the public cloud to be more efficient, understand their data, and deliver better healthcare. So welcome to the program, Joe. Thanks, Paul. It's great to be here. Uh, one of the things you said to me uh, earlier was that healthcare data is evolving beyond rows and columns. And can you describe uh, for us the change that you're seeing with your clients and and get into how you've seen these new data types uh, evolve to deliver new capabilities? Sure. Um, you know, at the beginning of it, you know, we've, we've always dealt with images in healthcare because of PACs and, and DICOM images and things like that. But more so now, we're also seeing audio and video come into the fray. Um, you know, the push towards telemedicine is now started to introduce um, different data types out there. And, um, you know, we're getting more video, we're getting more audio, um, we're getting more um, documents as images. So documents that are faxes or scans rather than discrete data elements. And healthcare organizations need to be able to figure out how to consume all of that data and make it meaningful to them and add it to their uh, workflows and platforms in a way that are going to help their clinicians make better decisions. Um, one of the other things we're seeing is the um, streaming data that we're starting to generate with um, whether it's a wearable device or um, in-home healthcare devices like smart, smart scales and glucometers and things like that. Those streaming devices are generating huge amounts of data, um, but in many cases, the data that they're generating only a small portion of it is really relevant to the care experience. So there's a lot of noise in the system. So one of the things we're seeing is organizations needing help with consuming all of this, these different types of data and making them meaningful so that they can use them for the healthcare experience. How can they make them meaningful for the healthcare experience? What have you seen with some of your, with some of your clients? What are some of the projects that they're undertaking? One thing we saw is, um, we, we work with an organization that is focused on helping seniors stay independent and stay in their own homes longer. And they do this by employing a variety of devices in the home, whether it's a, it's a smartwatch, uh, smart scales, medication dispensing machines, other things, so they can get a sense for what that person in their home is doing on a day-to-day -day basis. So you know, it's it's great because we can tell, you know, how many steps are they taking, how active are they and all of that. But from a care perspective, it only really becomes relevant when they aren't doing what they normally do. So part of what we've done with technology is we've used artificial intelligence, machine learning type approaches to determine what normal looks like for that person. So if they normally get up at six o'clock in the morning and they normally, you know, walk around a lot in the morning and then they settle in to watch the news or do other things, those are patterns that the technology and the AI starts to recognize. 
And then what we can do is use those patterns to detect anomalies. So if all of a sudden it's 7 a.m. and they haven't gotten out of bed yet, that's a potential anomaly. There's something wrong. If they haven't moved around as much as they've typically moved around, that's an anomaly. There's something wrong there. And then what we're able to do is reach out and ask them how they're doing. We're even able to employ smart speakers like an Amazon Echo so that they can communicate. And then within that, you know, we're starting to look at even taking advantage of things like sentiment analysis where we can literally analyze what they're saying and what it means from a sentiment perspective. It's the same sort of technology that Amazon developed to use for when you when people comment on things in their online shopping platform. You know, is what they're saying positive or negative? Does it mean that, um, you know, um, is it, you know, indicative of dissatisfaction or something like that? So there's some really interesting approaches there as to how we can use that data coming from all of these different types of devices, whether it's the, the stream IOT type data or audio recordings and things like that. Um, we haven't quite gotten to video with this particular solution just because there is a bit of a privacy issue. I don't think people would be comfortable with being spied on by cameras, but there is a potential down the road to um, initiate telehealth type conversations and be able to analyze those telehealth conversations for what they may indicate. So it seems like one of the uh, early uses would be for post-surgery follow-up where it's critical time after somebody comes in, for example, for heart surgery to make sure that they're, they're doing okay, that they're healing properly, or even I would guess for uh, chronic disease management. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, all of those use cases. And the other one we've been, you know, starting to talk to organizations about is um, preventing uh, post-discharge readmission. You know, because obviously that's a big challenge for healthcare organizations. And as patients are discharged, we want to make sure they're doing okay at home. They're they're taking their meds. They're following their plan of care. They're they're showing progress goals. Um, you know, you talk about a cardiac surgery. Um, typically, there's um, goals for the patient to be up and moving, and you know exercising and that sort of stuff at a certain level. And this is a way for the caregivers to unobtrusively monitor that that's happening. And if they see that the trend is moving in the wrong direction, we can help them with dashboards and alerts to say, hey, you know, I need to go pay attention to this patient and maybe we need to get a physical therapist out there to get them moving more. Or maybe there's something going on that's not even maybe a, something that the patient is aware of, you know, but over time, the technology can see a change in their behavior and their patterns in such a way that we're able to flag it, even though it may not be obvious to the human. I guess this is so early stage with some of these um, solutions that there must be a lot of learnings going on about what's working and what's not working. Uh, what are your uh, experiences with some of the early learnings and, and how this technology needs to be adjusted to be able to be integrated into uh, primarily, primarily, we're talking about aftercare, but uh, I'm thinking that there's other situations too that you might be able to tell us about where we would uh, get some feedback as to what's possible. What have you seen? I think one of the biggest challenges is training the um, the artificial intelligence models. Um, you know, the, the artificial intelligence models get trained through feeding them large volumes of data so that it can begin to detect patterns and correlations and those sorts of things. And we need to make sure that we're training them accurately. 
Um, and, and that's a continuous process. So we're constantly giving the models feedback. So as caregivers intervene on these alerts, for example, we need to get feedback that says, hey, this was a valid alert, or maybe this wasn't a valid alert, and here's why, so that we can make the model ever smarter. Um, the other big challenge is just the scale of computing power required to do this stuff. Um, you know, as you said at the outset, I'm, a, I'm an old data center, hospital data center guy and, you know, racking and stacking and even mounted reel-to-reel -reel tapes and everything. And I, I really find it hard to envision healthcare organizations being able to harness enough computing power to do some of this work on premises. I mean, they, this is where they really have to start thinking about and leveraging cloud um, because, you know, these capabilities are well beyond the computing resources that you want to put on your data center floors. Um, so that'd be another thing I would say as a learning is, you know, be ready to embrace the cloud there, if nothing else, just for the pure compute scale that you can bring to the table. And and it's it's nice because it's burstable. So you can really get that really heavy duty compute scale when you need it and then shrink it back down when you don't need it on you know very dynamic basis. Right, right. I think this has got to be hard for um, uh, most providers that are just concerned with getting their heads above water with operational pro uh, uh, problems that they're having with their systems and getting them optimized uh, so they can straighten out reimbursement problems and so forth. And a lot of it's got to be um, uh, way beyond current capability. So uh, but, but you in the consulting business, when you look at this, um, you sort of, so I guess what you're saying is you can sort of offload this onto third-party provider in the cloud and bring in some outside expertise to begin uh, leveraging some of these opportunities without overloading the current CIO in what they're trying to accomplish, uh, just getting to some level of operational excellence. Can can you tell me what your experiences with your your clients have been in this regard? I mean, is there really enough bandwidth to to do this, and how have you guys helped out? You know, it's really organizational dependent. Um, there's a lot of data science involved in this, and you know, I've been in a lot of hospitals, and I've not been in a lot where I've been introduced to somebody whose title is a data scientist. Um, you know, that expertise is a is a um, and, and especially experienced data scientists are, you know, few and far between. And so there is really a need and, and an opportunity for CIOs to look for some outside help there, if nothing else, just for the data science aspect of it. But then, as I said before, you've also got the compute capability of it and the ability to get that scalable um, computing resources and things. You know, I don't think it makes sense for any CIO to try to invent that and build that in-house. They really want to get out on the cloud and take advantage of that. Um, now, we do see variety as we work with organizations. We have some organizations that we work with where it's, we want you to help us build this this solution or this platform and get it deployed, and then we want to take it and run it. And then we have other organizations where they're really looking for us to help them run it on nonstop. So we do it more as a managed service type approach, and that works out really well for them. And so there's no hard and fast answer there. I think each organization has to decide how much they want to build internally versus how much they want to leverage from the outside. But I think most healthcare organizations, especially in today's world with everything that they're dealing with, as you said, they're, they're trying to keep above the waterline. It, it'd be, they'd be pretty hard pressed to do this on their own. Going forward into the future, then, how do you see this evolving? Because in other industries, the technology is definitely here. People are really exploiting um, uh, or learning, I should say, in the areas of machine learning and artificial intelligence. It's still a lot of it's all in process. But healthcare has traditionally lagged. But in this case, uh, you, know, you know, firms, uh, consulting firms such as the one you 
uh, belong to and others can really make a difference in in sort of jumpstarting this process. But where do you see, based on your experience, where do you see this going over the next few years? How do you think this is going to evolve in the in the healthcare space? Yeah, I think it's like a lot of things. We we need to get some meaningful use cases deployed that resonate with the people outside of IT. Um, you know, so if I can go to the clinicians and a healthcare organization and say, hey, I have some, a solution here that will help you flag patients that are at risk for readmission once they've gone home because of what's happening with them in the home. You know, they see that as a, as a use case that's valuable to them. So once you cr- attach that value to it, they start to see, and, and what my experience has always been anyway, is you start to see people going, oh, well, could we also use that over here? Could we also use that over here? So um, we've, we have to find some wayfinder projects like this that are um, ways to demonstrate the capability, ways to shake the, the, the dust out of it because there's going to be challenges, but also the opportunity to show the value and have it resonate with those clinical and operational folks so that they then start to say, well, can I also apply this here? Can I also apply this here? So, Joe, one of the things that we uh, had uh, talked about before the show was natural language processing. How do you see that uh, working out in the current care environment, and where do you see that going forward? Yeah, you know, natural language processing, or NLP, I think is a really exciting area for healthcare. Um, To just do a real quick what it is, natural language processing is the ability of um, AI and ML to essentially read blocks of text or read documents and extract data out of it. And it does that in a context-aware manner. Um, So to give you an example, um, if you have a whole bunch of uh, referral reports that have been faxed over to you, and you want to process through those, you've got a a few things you got to do. First thing you got to do is you got to pick up the facts and you've got to recognize what it is. Okay, this is a referral report. Well, the natural language processing and AI capabilities can do that for you. Um, the next thing you want to do is, who is this about? Who is the patient? So the natural language processing can literally OCR and read that document and interpret who the patient is based on where w- the information in the document. And then we can go- even take it a step further. Um, we can actually extract healthcare information out of that document. So if, for example, in the report, the doctor dictated a medication that a patient is on, and they typically are going to dictate, you know, what the med is, what's the route, what the dose, and that sort of stuff. We can actually intelligently extract that and create discrete data fields from all of this information that can then be processed into the EHR or into other databases and used to help with the workflow around those documents. Um, we just rolled out a product um, that is designed specifically to help healthcare organizations with this. And it's mostly to help with the facts challenge to be able to bring these documents in, categorize them and understand what they are and figure out who they're about and get them into the workflow. And we're seeing real value there, one, because it's a labor savings, obviously, but two, because of the efficiency of it. Um, What we see with these faxes and things like that are a lot of um, delays in processing, you know, because they get, they sit there till somebody can find some time to go through them. And it's certainly never one of the more popular jobs in the department. But so we pick it up and we start processing it immediately and we're able to actually get it, um, you know, routed and moved along the process a lot faster. So we're taking the human out of the loop and speeding the process up, which benefits the caregiver and the patient ultimately because care gets delivered faster that way. Right. It is a big pain right now in a lot of hospitals. And that looks to be a huge 
uh, labor-saving uh, device going forward. Well, Joe, um, thank you for uh, joining us today. I wanted to um, give you a little bit of the opportunity to tell us about Healthcare Triangle, and then if anybody wants to get a hold of you to discuss uh, any of this further, just uh, let us know what is the best way to get uh, get hold of you. Sure. So Healthcare Triangle is a healthcare-focused um, technology and consulting company. Um, we do everything from EHR consulting and services all the way up to cloud services, cloud deployments, artificial intelligence, and the stuff we've been talking about today. Um, our website is www.healthcaretriangle.com. And if anybody would like to reach out to me directly, I'm certainly on LinkedIn, Joe Grinstead, or um, joe.g at healthcaretriangle.com. Would love the opportunity to talk more about this and kind of hear what, the, what, what your podcast listeners are experiencing out there and what their thoughts are. Thank you, Joe, and thank you for joining us today. It's very interesting, and it's exciting to see all this evolve and, and take us into the future. Take care. Thanks, Paul. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Hymn SoCal podcast. This is Paul Butler, your host. Our sound engineer has been Callister Harmon. Mm-hmm.